0: You know, David Mamet of Chicago is probably the most, certainly one of the most exciting young playwrights working the American stage today. And you might say films, too, because he did some excellent screen plays, specifically The Verdict. Yep. But David Mamet's new play, we know about American Buffalo and Sexual Perversity and a variety of other plays that perhaps I've remembered, each one remembers mm-hmm. one aspect of his plays, but all agree it is the language his use of the American idiom, the language. And even specifically, there's a Chicago language. I'll ask David about he's my guest today, his newest play that got raves in England. It sounds like it's a, a battle between two Scottish clans, as one of the British critics if it's not. It's called Glengarry Glen Ross. and the name is a fooler. And aside from the reviews in London about it, all of them wildly enthusiastic, I've just read the script, it's gonna be explosive theater. But it's more than just simply a play, it's a, an incredible commentary on us, on the way we live. In a moment, thoughts, reflections, maybe even a scene or two, from Glengarry Glen Ross of David Mamet, my guest after this message. You know, David, the matter of language, We've gotta start with that. Whether way teach or is too Colleagues spoke in American Buffalo, or the salesman in this play. How do you capture, as you do, you know, the the way guys talk?
1: I think I, I think it's just luck. I can't say more than that. It's uh, it's uh, I don't know. I just I that's the way I write it. Just that's the way it comes out.
0: I mean, this play, Glengarry Glen Ross, deals with guys selling. Phony real estate.
1: Right. The real estate's phony, but it's it's like sw- it's like the land booms that we had a lot of in the late 60s. I don't know how how late they went, but I was working in the real estate in Chicago during that land boom, and someone would buy up or take an option on a section, a square mile in uh, Florida that was swamp land, and then sell it as investment properties or retirement homes.
0: These guys in the play, there are about seven of them, uh, five of them are salesmen, and the place where they meet is a Chinese restaurant. In the first act, three different scenes in a Chinese restaurant, where the salesmen are talking one against you, which And then the second scene is the real estate office itself, where something yeah. happened. This is somewhere. It could be somewhere where Chicago's northwest side.
1: Yeah, that's that's that was the area that I when I was working in real estate that I worked in, and I kind of think that spiritually that's where it belongs. Somewhere as part of that uh, urban sprawl, you know, when you leave. The quote city and leave even yeah. the real suburbs and start expanding outward toward uh, Idaho or whatever the hell but is out there.
0: These are guys who are very desperate. The very beginning, we know they sell pieces of land they've never seen before. Right, they've they got to go into it.
1: somebody. They get things called a lead, which yeah. means that so, a lead to a prospect, somebody who might buy land. Uh, for example, those ads that we all see on TV: send blah 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 for your free copy of. Florida investment in land, no salesman will call. So what, of course, that means is you send that in and some salesman calls you tomorrow morning. You are now a lead. You're sufficiently interested to pick up the phone and ask for information. They figure, aha, now this person is fair game. Let me go out and sell him yeah. land. So the play is about trying yeah. to get the good leads so that the people can yeah. can make money.
0: And getting the various dupes. Now, his John Lahr, who we know is an excellent critic, now lives in London. John Lahr... Uh, covering the play, writes about you, David Mamet. the title of the piece is Winners and Losers. And he says, David Mamet comes closer than any other American playwright in capturing the profound terror of the marketplace. I had said it starts out on a note of desperation. It's the terror of it. Now these guys, when they sell well, one guy who sells the best, he'll get a Cadillac. Right. The other guys get the ash can.
1: Right. Right. the, the uh, In the play, a sales promotion has been instituted. So these fellows who live by their wits from day to day anyway, they don't get a salary. They have to go out into the house, sit down in the living room, or make, make the sale, or they don't eat. Now things have gotten worse. There's a sales contest which has been put on. And if they don't sell a certain amount by the end of the month, they get fired from the job. So there's the four salesmen involved. And the first salesman, the top salesman, wins a Cadillac. And the second salesman in the contest wins a set of steak knives. And the two bottom yeah. salesmen get fired,
0: but th- these are these are guys now. that are three of them in their fifties.
1: Yeah, they w- they range in age between uh, the w- top salesman is in his late thirties, and then there is a couple of salesmen in their fifties and one in their sixties. Yeah,
0: and they're worried what's going to happen if they don't get that Cadillac if they don't make it. They're winners and losers. Right. And that's the. And that's. But he says, uh, come back to John is This is about the best. Uh, description the com- and the c- it's comical too the, the irony the comic stuff is very funny but it's funny and yet it isn't it's funny out of desperation too
1: well it's the situation of all Sophocles once said is it's took us off in Tisch and when we come down to the play they're on the line and they gotta they gotta do well or that's it there's no second chance and that's what the, yeah. that, that's what the play about the guys, guys f-
0: with their back to the wall. They got to make the sale or that's it. You know what else it's about? And I noticed Laura touches that and it interests me particularly. It's about work, a certain kind of work that really isn't work. It's work. It's effort. But it is a job to hook someone. The the job is to hook someone and to beat others. Right.
1: Right. Well, I guess maybe it's about that too. A little bit of America as the American system as a chain letter. The way you get well is to make somebody else eat it. Yeah. You know, you sell, wor- you s- keep passing along a bad check. Uh, you know about takeover of companies, for example. We just had a lovely example of that in, in our, our fair city here.
0: Yeah, you know, just as you as you're talking about that, uh, your most celebrated play until now is American Buffalo, in which Al Pacino is. Uh, there's a revival in which he's playing Teach. Right. Well, the the same approach. That's about Chicago to another part of Chicago, right. a subculture. Right. Uh, For almost skid row guys, but not out, out to make out to make a certain robbery that night, a caper that goofs up. Right. So then, not to removed in spirit from these guys who are more respectable, if
1: Well, I think that they're both plays about business. Finally, uh, they're both plays about business. Uh, both plays about business. They're about about th- American Buffalo is to a large extent about guys hiding behind a certain rhetoric. These are about the guys who don't have anything to hide behind. They gotta go out and make the sale. Uh, like they say, there's only one way to judge how, how well you played poker. If you get, When you leave, if you got more money than you had when yeah. you sat down, you played well. If not, you played badly. These guys, they gotta make the sale. They must make the
0: sale. As, as, but it's done. We'll come to the form in a minute and the title. The language, you know, the language is the way guys in a certain part of our society talk. And it has four-letter words, of course, but this comes off, it's the most natural way. There's no other substitute for it. And it's, again, your ear it's the ear. This is what you've heard and what you've picked up.
1: Well, uh, Nancy Dowd is a wonderful writer, and she wrote a movie called Slapshot, which was about the life in a uh, a down-and-out hockey team. And she got harshly criticized, quite unjustly, for the fact that there was a lot of profanity involved in the movie. And one critic said to her, how can you put so much locker room language in the movie? And she responded, well, if you noticed, 90% of the movie takes place in a locker room. Yeah. And that's the story of uh, Glengarry Glen Ross.
0: By the Glengarry Glen Ross, I mean, I know this could be subject to gags. Is it about, you know, the people say it's about a couple of Scottish clans having a scrap. These are names, fancy names used, are they not? Yeah, they're fancy uh, names uh, that are
1: made up for the swampland. Rather,
0: the the, the idea is
1: to sell the sizzle, not the steak. We don't say, how would you like to buy land in Florida? We'd say, "How we have these properties, Glengarry Highlands Farms, Glen Ross Acres, Black Creek, Superstition Mountain Ranch. It's just names that somebody Brook made up. Brook Farm. Brook Farm, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, when you we think about it, Glencoe here. Glencoe, sure. Glencoe is an old Scottish name. <laughs> right. And so it's the... So Kenilworth, I mean, it's a, a direct allusion yeah. to Ivanhoe, of course. There's an allusion to Kenilworth in here It's part of a gag. It's coming. And, of course, it's also... And here we come to the other part. It's very funny in a horrible way. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Now, the humor, of course, is in the crazy situation. Isn't yeah. it? yeah. We started, for example, the opening, there are three scenes to the first act, and they're all three different booths in a Chinese restaurant. And it opens up immediately on this feverish note. Or oh, before we even talk about the opening, and then we'll do a later scene, you have a little, uh, uh, just two lines before the uh, play begins. It says, always be closing, right. practical sales maxim.
1: Right, well that's the whole thing. Closing means getting the signature, as the salesmen say, on the line which is dotted. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, right? So that the sales, a lot of sales technique is taught in acronyms. AIDA, um, attention, interest, desire, and action. ABC, always be closing. That means you always have to be moving toward a direct objective, which is getting that signature on the line, and that's what the play's about, it's about closing.
0: Always be closing. Uh, Lead, of course, is. Leads, a lead a to a prospect, name. A the name s- of a prospect. And a sit, a
1: sit. A sit is literally a situation where the salesman and the prospect are sitting down together. The salesman would hope they're sitting down in the prospect's kitchen because that's where people do business
0: and the uh, the living room being where one receives company. In the very opening, there's Levine, Shelley Levine. Shelley the machine. Levine. Yeah, Shelley the machine, Levine the machine. Yeah. And he's, th- he's now... He, something's gone wrong with his life. I mean, he's not selling too well. He's he's in a diff- He's he's about to be dumped. We know it. Right. But he's sitting with a kid named Johnny Williamson.
1: Right. Williamson's the office
0: manager. Yeah. And Williamson's a cool kid. He's the one who, does he assign the. Uh, the he the gives leads? out
1: the leads. So William, So Levine, who's an older man who was once a very successful salesman and now had kind of a bad beat, and missed a few sales has got to appeal to a younger man, a younger, inexperienced man, who is technically in charge of him, who's in charge of the office, to get the leads. If Levine don't get the leads from Williamson, Levine can't go out and make the sales.
0: And it's obvious that Levine hasn't been making it, and these guys are thinking of letting this guy go. Right. And it opens up, John, John, he starts right out talking. He's got to get this job. Right. Right. And the other guy's sitting there coolly. But as he goes along, He's calling this guy names, too. That's yeah. part of it. Williamson doesn't mind, does he? Do no,
1: it's kind of a fascinating character, Williamson character. Is the, is the, he's a corporate man. He's the fellow who, who to whom reason cannot uh, appeal. There's a great scene in Grapes of Wrath, where they come to kick these people off their land. And the fellow who's the, the, the Jode fa- farmer is out there with a shotgun, and he says to the fellow who's come to kick him off, he says, I'm going to blow you away. The guy says, it don't do no good to blow me away. He says, I'm just the representative of the bank. He says, well, then I'm going to go down to the bank. He says, well, it doesn't do any good to go down to the bank because the bank is just owned by the shareholders in New York. He says, well, there must be somebody somewhere who knows what a shotgun's for.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this this guy who represents the uh, little bank uh, that has to answer to the Tulsa, Oklahoma bank has got to answer to the New York bank. Yeah. Doesn't know what the hell to do, but the other guy says, Somebody I got it. This is what this is about. Right. Too. And also he there's right, he wants to bribe him, do anything. He wants to give him his cut. Well he stuff. goes down the, the, the list. What he wants to get is the leads.
1: Shelley Levine needs the leads. He starts out appealing to the better nature, he threatens, he
0: cajoles, he begs, and finally he bribes. And then there's a second and now the same in the same rush, another booth. Yeah. And here are two older salesmen talking, they're both kind of desperate too. Right. And this is Mawson Arano.
1: Right. Are we going to do this now?
0: We're going to do it. Before, we, I, we should say there's a third scene, and yeah. then we'll do this one. Yeah, OK. The third scene involves, he's the guy who's making this young hotshot right, guy, hot shot is Romo.
1: The, yeah, Ricky Romo.
0: And that's a fascinating scene in which he's seemingly, he's talking to a guy on the next booth who's obviously his mark. This is the guy he's going to take. Right. But we'll come to that. Let's do this scene here. You said it. See what I was getting in the mood okay, for. Okay, this is scene two. It's two Moss salesmen
1: who are in the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And they're both uh, they both gotta succeed by the terms of the contest. They have several days left to make a big sale, or if they don't they get fired.
0: They
2: don't they get fired.
1: Yeah. So they're out there telling war as we used to say in the sales business, telling war stories to each other.
0: Yeah. And uh, but they're also they know this younger guy Romo was uh, is ahead of them yeah. in the sales, and they're pretty desperate. And One guy, Moss, he's the slicker guy, Yeah. and Aaron, he's the more aggressive guy, I should say. And so he's saying to Arano, they're sitting there. You're Arano. Okay. You know, self-promotion. You lose and we fire your... No, no, it's medieval. It's wrong. Oh, we're going to fire your ass. It's wrong. Yes. Yes, it is. You know who's responsible? Who? You know who it is? It's Mitch and Murray. These guys are the two owners who are not over there. Right. Mitch and Murray, because it doesn't have to be this way. No. Look at Jerry Graff, he's clean, he's doing business for himself. He's got his, that list of his with the nurses, see? You see? That's thinking. Why take 10%, a 10%? Com- Why don't we give them the rest away? By the way, one in parenthetical comment. What you do, what David Mamet does is quite marvelous in conversation. The thoughts fly, and sometimes that sentence isn't completed, particularly when the guy's kind of desperate. A ten percent about to say commission, a ten percent. Com- Why are we giving the rest away? Why are we giving ninety p- for nothing? For some jerk sitting in the office tell you get out there, close, go in the Cadillac. graph he goes out and buys. He pays top dollar for it. You see? Yes. Yeah, that's thinking. Now he's got the leads. He goes in business for himself. He's that's what I... That's thinking. Who? Who's got a steady job? A couple of bucks. Nobody's touched. Who? Nurses. So Graff buys a fun list of nurses. One grand. If he paid two, I'll eat my hat. For five thousand nurses. He's going wild. He is? He's doing very well. I heard that they were running cold. The nurses? Yes. Yeah, a lot of things. He's doing very well. He's doing very well. With River Glen? Uh, River Oaks, Brook Farms, River Glen, all that shit. Somebody told me, you know what he's clearing himself 14, 15 grand a week. Himself? That's what I'm saying. Why? The leads. He's got the good leads. What are we? We're sitting in the shit here. Why? We have to go to them to get them. Huh? 90% of our sales, we're paying to the office for the leads. The leads, the overhead, the telephones, there's lots of things. What do you need? A telephone, some broad to say good morning. Nothing, nothing.
1: No, no, no. It's it's not that simple. Derek. Yes,
0: it is. It is simple. And you know what the hard part is? What? Starting up. What hard part? Of doing the thing. The diff, the difference between me and Jerry Graf going to business for yourself. The hard part is, you know what it is? What? Just the act. What act? To say I'm going on my own, because. What you do, George, let me let me tell you what you do. You find yourself enthralled to someone. And we enslave ourselves to please, to win some fuck, toaster, to, to, and, and the guy who got there first made up those. Th- that's right. He made up those rules, and we we're working for him. Yeah, that, that's the truth. That's the God's truth. And it gets me depressed. I swear it does. At my age, see a goddamn somebody wins a Cadillac this month, PS2, guys. Huh. And you don't ask yourself. No. Course. You you, you you build it. That's what I... You build it. Men
1: come... You m- know, men come work for you're you. You're
0: absolutely right. They... They have. The, the, wh- wh- when they look, 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 look. When they build your business, then you can't turn them around and slave them, treat them like children, come up in the ass and leave them to fend for themselves. No. No, you're absolutely right. And I want to tell you something. What? I want to tell you what somebody should do. What? Somebody should stand up and strike back. What do you mean? Somebody. Yes. Should do something to them. What? Something to pay them back. Someone, someone should hurt them. Murray and Mitch. Someone should hurt them? Yes. How? How? Do something to hurt them where they live. What? Someone should rob the office. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. We were, if we were that kind of guys to knock it off and trash the joint, it looks like robbery. And take the McCuff leads out of the files. Go to Jerry Graff.
1: What could we get for them?
0: What could we get for them? I don't know. A buck a throw, a buck and a half a throw. I don't know. Hey, hey, who knows what they're worth? What do they pay for them? All told must be, I'd say, three bucks a throw. I
1: don't know. How many leads have we got?
0: The Glengarry, the premium leads. I'd say we got. Five thousand, five. Five thousand leads.
1: And you're saying a fella could take and sell these leads to Jerry Graff? Yes. How do you know he'd buy them?
0: Graff? Because I worked for him.
1: You haven't talked to him.
0: No. What do you mean? Have I talked to him about this?
1: Yes. I mean, have you? Are we? Are you actually talking
0: about this, or are we uh, just? No, no, no. We're just.
1: We're we're just talking about. We're
0: just speaking about it. As
1: an idea. As an idea. Yes. We're we're not actually talking about it. No talking about it as no in, as a robber, as robbery a robbery
0: no well <laughs> well hey so all this
1: um, uh, you didn't actually you didn't actually go talk to Graf
0: not actually no you didn't no not actually did you what did I say? what did you say? Yes I said not actually. You can't, George. You just talk. We're just talking. We, we are. Yes.
1: Because, because you know, it's a crime.
0: That's right. It's a crime.
1: It's a crime. It's also very safe. You're actually talking about this. That's right. You're going to steal the leads?
0: Have I said that? Are you? Did I say that?
1: Did, did you talk to Graf? Is that what I said? What did he say? What did he say? He'd buy them. You're going to steal the leads and sell the leads to Graf? Yes. What will he pay?
0: A buck a shot. For 5000 However they are, that's the deal. A bucket throw. $5,000 split at half and half.
1: You're saying me? Yes.
0: 2500 apiece. One night's work and the job with Graff, working the premium leads. A
1: job with Graff?
0: Is that what I said? He'd give me a job? He would take you on, yes. Is that the truth? Yes. It is, George. Yes, it's, it's a big decision. And it's a big reward. It's a big reward for one night's work. But it's got to be tonight. What? What, what? The leads.
1: You have to steal the leads tonight?
0: That's right. The guys are moving them downtown after the 30th. Mitch and Murray, after the contest.
1: You're, You're saying you have to go in there tonight and-
0: You. I'm sorry? You. Me? You have to go in. You have to get the leads. I do? Yes. I- It's not something for nothing, George. I took you in on this. You have to go. That's your thing. I made the deal with Graff. I can't go. I can't go in. I've spoken this too much. I got a big mouth. The leads, et cetera, blah, 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 tight-ass company.
1: They'll know when you go over to Graff. Well,
0: they know that I stole the leads. I didn't steal the leads. I'm going to the movies tonight with a friend. Then I'm going to Como in. Why did I go to Graff? I got a better deal, period. Let them prove something. They can't prove anything that's not the case. Dave. Yes. You want me to break into the office tonight and steal the leads? Yes. No. Oh, yes, George. What does that mean? Listen to this. I have an alibi. I'm going to Como NY. Why? Place gets robbed. They're going to come looking for me. Why? Because I probably did it. Are you going to turn me in? George, are you going to turn me in? What if you don't get caught? They come to you. You're going to turn me in. Why would they come to me? They're going to come to everyone. Well, why would I do it? You wouldn't, George. That's why I'm talking to you. Now, answer me. They come to you. Are you going to turn me in? No. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Then listen to this. I have to get some of these leads tonight. That's something I have to do. If I'm not at the movies, if I'm not eating over at the inn, see, if you don't do this, then I have to come in here. No, no, you don't have to come. And rob the place. I thought we were just only talking. They take me then. They're going to ask me who were my accomplices. Me? Absolutely. That's ridiculous. Well, to the law, you're an accessory before the fact. I didn't ask to be. And tough luck, George, because you are. Well, why are
1: you... Because you only told me about it? That's right. Why are you doing this to me, Dave? Why are you talking to me this way? I don't understand. Why, why are you doing this at all? None of your fucking business. Well, 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 talk to me. We sit down here to eat dinner, and, uh, and here I'm a criminal. You went for it. In the abstract. So I'm making
0: it concrete. Why? Why? Why you gonna give me five grand? Do you need five grand? Is that what I just said? You need money, is that the... Hey, uh, hey, 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 just keep it simple. What I need is not, what do you need?
1: W- what is the five grand? What is the, you said we're gonna s- split five.
0: I lied, all right? My end is my business, your end's 25, in or out? You tell me. You're out to take the consequences? You're out You take the consequences.
1: I do. Yes. And why is that? because you listened.
0: It's <laughs> an incredible scene.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Stutz.
0: <laughs> now, here we have, now, I think in this scene, the reason I was asking this scene, because I hammed the whole thing up here. <laughs> oh, you but, th- you were great, But not you? This scene is very funny. At the same I mean, time, it's horrible, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's pretty horrible.
0: See, Moss has been there a long, he hates these guys' guts so bad. Yeah and you got Irono, who's not quite as fast or bright as Moss.
1: Well, he's in a different hes in a different position. Yeah. He's, the mor- he's the moral guy. He gets appealed to, I think, because he has a certain amount of morality.
0: He's the last guy that they'd expect to rob the place. Now, this is what we're coming up to. Now, you, now, the next scene, the last scene of the first act, it's in two acts, is another, another booth. And this guy, Romo, who's very fast, smooth.
1: He's a charmer, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, he's a real charmer. Being At played by Joey Montaigne, another real charmer. Yeah, he
0: is. Yeah. And the cast, by the way, is it's an excellent cast. It's a great cast, cast yeah. One you've named earlier. Now, he's talking to a guy named Link. Why don't you describe Link? Because there's... Well, the,
1: the whole thing of the scene is all that we know is two guys are talking. We presume that they're both salesmen because the other two guys in the first scene and the second scene have both been salesmen. So that's all we know is two guys are talking. And uh, as far as, w- that's all we know about them.
0: Yeah. But he's not talking about selling in the beginning. He's telling about... He's talking about philosophy. Philosophy. And, yeah. and that guy Link is just caught in, caught by him. And at the very end, it winds up. It's almost a monologue by Roma.
1: Yeah.
0: A very smooth, talking, fast monologue in which this guy's nodding. And at the very end, you know, he's hooking him when he says about the... He P- comes up to the piece of land he's talking about. And he says, uh, listen, to what I'm going to tell you now. And now we know he's going to hook
1: him. Yeah.
0: But now we're left hanging, aren't we? Did these guy, are these guys going to rob the place or not? And so we come to the second act, don't we? And here, I'm about to say it's murder. In a sense, it is. Here is uh, something the office is This Is this the way the offices are?
1: Well, it's like a little, it's one of those low, low buildings on the way to the airport. Low cinder blocks, plate glass window. It's rental space. One month, it could be a pet store. The next month, it could be a a massage parlor. The next month, it could be, I don't know what, a travel agency. And it's one of those rental offices, rental desks. And you come to the second act, it's been completely ransacked. There's a big plate glass window that's been busted out, and it's all boarded up. There's uh, all typewriters and phones have been stolen. There's glass all over the floor. And it's in this office the next morning that all these guys who we saw in the first act are not trying to do business. They're trying to figure out what happened. They're trying to, to go on with their lives.
0: And there is a surprise ending here. as to, It is robbed about, as a hooker here. But into the scene comes this poor guy, James Link.
1: Yeah, who we saw in the first act.
0: And we saw in the first act. And yeah. he wants to cancel the deal. Right. And there is trickery used. And, and they also act out when they see this guy coming. They suddenly stop the argument they're having. The yeah, men. these two
1: salesmen are having this big argument about the leads. And when the Ricky Roma, who's the A salesman, sees Link, the prospect coming back, he says to Shelley Levine, he says, "Okay, forget all of that now. For the moment, you pretend to be the vice president of the American Express Company, and we're going to be having this little conversation. And if I rub my head, throw me the cue Kenilworth. Yeah, and, and then so they go out and play out the out. scene within the play. And
0: they finally. But Link, we have to come to him. Even though the part is not does not have many lines as the others, uh, this is one the British critics pointed out to, too, is quite a remarkable scene. Because it deals with a salesman who's a con artist, but who's so good at making his mark feel beholden to him sure. that Link is apologizing. Sure.
1: He's apologizing him. for having the deal kick out. What, uh, uh, we had some wonderful salespeople come and talk to us. Uh, through the cast at the Goodman, and a lot of them talked about the idea of creating a moral debt in the prospect. So when it comes time to close the deal, the guy is an indebted to you, and would rather, although he doesn't want to close the deal, he'd rather sign his name on the dotted line than uh, betray you, rather rather make you feel bad. Like we had a brush lady, and the first thing that she did when she opens the door, she says, "Which would you like today? A vegetable brush, or?" Uh, uh, a notepad and hands them to you. So the first thing you do is you've taken something from her. Now, all of a sudden, you're in her debt.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's th- that aspect of it. You know, it's not too far removed from a gangster I once met. He was since killed. He was the treasurer of the syndicate.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: he's now dead. So Louis Greenberg, his name was. And anyway, so one guy invites me to see him. That is, maybe he'll sponsor a show. that's a brewery. Yeah. was a certain brewery owned by the syndicate, a beer company, and I was doing a sports show then. He, they wanted. He didn't sponsor it, but he was there listening to me and having fun with me. Obviously, for a good hour or so, he had time to kill. But it was an hour of my time. At the end, he he turns down the show, but he gives me a little compact. He's you married for my wife, and he gives me a, a fountain pen. So the guy who took me there, we're driving back. He says, open the compact. There's nothing that falls apart, because he has millions of compacts. He's got a whole safe for which he gives to everybody who comes to see him, or a pen. The pen writes once, and then it goes on the blank. But I remember the compact and the pen. You know, um, he gave me something, Sure. just like that brush woman you're talking about. Sure.
1: And what a confidence man, there's a lot of these guys are on the line of being confidence men. What a confidence man does is he gives you his confidence. The real meaning of confidence man is not that he asks you for your confidence, but that he gives you his confidence. So that the confidence man is going to start out the same way these salesmen start out. I had a rotten day today. I uh, I just found out that my wife is uh, sleeping with my accountant. Now all of a sudden, you're in his debt. Yeah, that's right.
0: Because he told you something.
1: Exactly. He yeah. took you in.
0: And also, this guy, Link, who's obviously a hard working guy, his wife obviously balled him out. Yeah, she them. says, you got to go back and cancel the deal. Yeah. And he's so apologetic because this guy sure. is such a, he's so kind and nice to him. Yeah. doesn't want to hurt him or embarrass him. And of course, there's a hooker to that scene, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're talking about salesmen, aren't we, in, in, in extremists. Right.
1: But right. This is the extreme of sales. This is the, this is the line where sales and, and a confidence game kind yeah. of blur.
0: But it does deal, If you, you could take those more respectable with a capital R. Yeah. But that winning and losing is still part exactly. of
1: Exactly. It. It's, it's caveat emptor right yeah. down the line. Yeah. So there's, there's no morality in it or whatever.
0: Let's take a pause now. We're, we're talking to David Mamet and his new play, the one that was a smash in London, is opening at the Goodman Theater. And the cast is one of actors whom we've seen one They're way wonderful or great The but
1: great and, Chicago and, actors, and great, and great, great, great actors who happen to be from Chicago, great. as Shelley Long would say. right. Mike Nussbaum is in it, Jack Wallace, Bill Peterson just did *Belly of the Beast, Joey Mantegna.
0: Greg Mosher. Greg directing Mosher's it. directing it. Let's take, we're talking about this play, by the way, that is, you may gather, very funny too. You're laughing, and then you say, what am I laughing about? But it is. So, after this pause, we'll resume with David Mamet. Perhaps ask him more about Salesman. Maybe how this play is different, similar and different, let's say, Death of a Salesman. Because mm-hmm. we'll talking about Salesman so in, in a minute. And also, how each one, in its own way, comments on on us and our society. In a moment after this message. So resuming with David Mamet. I'm sure this is going to come to mind to members of the audience, critics. It's a wholly different face to selling from that of Willie. Right. And Willie has a dream that he believed in.
1: Right. You know. Right. And that Death of a Salesman is really about a family. And this is a, this is about. Uh, This isn't about a family. This is really about men without a family. Uh, It's about men who are their job, who have nothing other than their job, and what effect their job has on them, rather than death of a salesman, about what effect the job has on the family.
0: And this also has no illusions, you see. Willie Willie had an illusion. Yeah, his dream Mm. goes with the territory. These guys got no illusion, whatever. It's close the sale and
1: get the money, and close the sale and get the money and close the sale.
0: That's why I said salesman in extremis earlier. This, the mask is off. This is, because right. we're talking about real estate, certain kinds of realty salesmen we're talking about. But it's your own experience. This is based on your own experience.
1: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate in being able to work in a, an office that sold this kind of land up on the north side for a year out of my life. I was an out-of-work actor, and I was working with a temporary agency in Chicago that was very helpful to a lot of us because they got us jobs for a day or two, and they got me a job in this office for three days, and I ended up staying a year.
0: We got to ask you, how did uh, this was done in England? Yeah. It was a British cast. Yeah, they were g- great cast too. How did yeah. they capture the? I don't mean accent, the American flavor and the in the spiritual Just feeling.
1: fine. They did just fine. They were quite wonderful. It was no. It was very. It was it was very gratifying. They didn't have any d- difficulty at all.
0: Now the London audience recognize these guys
1: sure yeah sure i think it's a it's a it's a, it's it's huck's huckster something that all of us and in, in the west deal with all day of our life and every day of our life someone trying to sell us something for which we have no need
0: so we have to come to language again you and language because whether it be buffalo or this one the uh, the ear it's your ear too and hearing what do you do when you when you write it? It's just there. I just
1: I just I, I uh, to <laughs> I just make it up. Actually, I really just make it up.
0: Well, you not you make it up, but at the same time, it's it's uh, the talk of a street, the talk of a shop, and it's the not simply non but the sound we hear. The sound is there too.
1: Yeah. Well, I've always been real fast. I've always liked Albert Helper. Uh, you know his wonderful books about uh, Chicago, about the different aspects. The of post office one called the shoot. The mm-hmm. shoot. Yeah. There was uh, the foundry. Yeah. There was. Uh, so,
0: is is it uh, literature of the '30s that attracts you too to, to a great extent? It's
1: uh, the same. I don't think literature of the '30s attracts me very, very much. But I think it's the same thing that attracted, uh, attracted those guys. That attracted those great Chicago writers who I was, you know, who've been my idols. People like mm. him and people like. Dreiser and a little bit earlier, people like uh, Sherwood Anderson, who were really fascinated by what it was that people, act. well, was, what fascinates you, what it is that people mm. actually do all day long.
0: I'm wondering if we shouldn't try another scene. What do you think? What the heck? Which one are you thinking of? Where they put on the act. Oh, let's do what we put on the act. Yeah, this is... Do we need another actor, though? Oh, why don't you do it? Sure. What's your name? Merrill Holtzman.
1: Meryl Holtzman, his first
0: time on the radio. Oh, or Brad, you do, he'll do Link. You do Link. Yeah, Meryl, you do Link. He's now better set this scene, you gotta find it first. Okay. This is a scene near the end when Romo, the fast-talking salesman, he and Levine, who thinks he had a great sale, turns out to be a phony sale, right are talking they're sore at williamson they're angry but just then romo sees through the window yeah link is coming and he you know link wants so to cancel the deal you, who do you want
1: to be studs you want so to, let me be roma
0: you be romo yeah <laughs> okay. and you be well, levine. i'll be i'll be levine you be romo and romo sees you link coming through the window obviously he knows he's had the many to try to cancel a deal so he
1: okay. oh christ
0: Ah, the hell with him by the way levine we're talking about williamson he doesn't know what you're talking about right he's the hell with him. We'll go to lunch. The leads won't be up for... L-
1: look, look, you're a client. I just sold you five waterfront Glengarry farms. If I rub my head, throw me the cue, Kenilworth. What is it? Kennelworth. Kenil, Kenil, yeah,
2: Kenilworth.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, I own the property. My mother owns the property. I put her into it. Now, I'm going to show you on the plats. Now, when you look, when you get home, A3 through A14 and 26 through 30, you take your time, and if you still feel that you'd like to look at some different properties...
2: You yeah. know... I've got to talk to you.
1: Uh, Jim, what are you doing here? Jim Link, D. Ray Morton.
0: Glad to meet you.
1: I just put Jim into Black Creek. Are, are you acquainted with... Uh, no, a Black Creek?
0: Oh, yes, in Florida? Yes. I wanted to speak with you about... Well, we'll do that this weekend. My wife told me to look into... Beautiful,
1: beautiful rolling land. I was telling Jim and Ginny, Ray, I want to tell you something. You, Ray... You eat in a lot of restaurants. I know you do. Mr. Morton's with American Express. He's. Uh, I can tell him what you do. Sure. Ray is director of all European sales and services for American Express. But I was saying you haven't had a meal until you've tasted. I was at the links last. As a matter of fact, what was that service feature you were talking about? Which uh, home cooking? What did you call it? You said it. Uh, it was a tag phrase that um, you used. Home. Uh, home cooking. Uh, the monthly interview. Um, oh. For the magazine. Yes, is this something that we can talk about?
0: Well, it isn't coming out until February ish. Uh, sure. Oh, sure. Go ahead talk, Ray. You yeah, sure? Go ahead.
1: Well, Ray was eating in one of his company man's homes in uh, France. The man's French, isn't he?
0: No, his wife is.
1: Ah, ah. His wife is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, what time do you have? 12 15. Oh, my God, we've got to get you on a plane.
0: Didn't I say I was taking the.
1: Two no, 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 no. You said the, w- the 1 o'clock. You said you were taking the uh, the 1.
0: Oh, my God, you're right. I'm on the w- one. Well, uh, let's scoot. I've got to talk to you. No,
1: i got to get Ray to O'Hare. Uh, c- come on, let's hustle. John, call American Express in Pittsburgh for Mr. Morton, will you? Tell him he's on the one o'clock. I'll uh, see you. Christ, I'm sorry you came all the way in. I'm running Ray over to O'Hare. You wait here. I'll, no, uh, 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 Ray, I'm e- meeting your man at the bank. I wish you'd phoned. I- I'll tell you what, wait. Um, are you and Ginny going to be home tonight? I... Rick, what? Kenilworth. I'm sorry. Uh, Kenilworth. Oh God! Oh God! Jim, look. At, excuse me, Ray. I told you who Ray is. He is the senior vice president of American Express. His family owns 32. Per- over the past years, I've sold him. I I can't tell you the dollar amount, but quite a lot of land. And I promised five weeks ago that I'd go over to his wife's birthday party in Kenilworth tonight. I have to go. You understand? They treat me like a member of the family, so I have to go. You know, it's funny, you get a picture of the corporation type company man, all business, this man, no. But w- we'll go out to his home sometime. Now, let's see, let me see here. Tomorrow, no, no. tomorrow I'm in LA. Monday, Monday, I'll take you to lunch. Where would you like to go?
2: My wife,
1: uh, Rick. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Jim, I can't talk to you now. Yes, I'm, I'll call you tonight, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> My wife said I have to cancel the deal.
1: It's a common reaction, Jim, and I'll tell you what it is, and I know that's why you married her. One of the reasons is prudence. It's a sizable investment, one thinks twice. It's also something that women have. It's just a reaction to the size of the investment. Monday. Now, if you'd invite me over for dinner again, uh, this woman can cook.
0: No, I'm sure she can. Now,
1: we're going to talk, and I'm going to tell you something, because, well, there's something about your acreage I want you to know. I can't talk about it now. I, re- I really shouldn't. And, in fact, by law, I'm... The man next to you, he bought his lot at 42. He phoned to say he's already had an offer. Rick. Uh, oh, I'm coming, Ray. Oh, huh, What a day. I'll call you this evening. Okay, I'm sorry that you had to come in. Um, Monday, lunch.
2: My wife. R- uh, Rick, we really have to go. My wife. Monday. She called the consumer, the the attorney, I don't know, the attorney, Jen. They said we have three days.
1: Who did she call?
2: I don't know. The attorney, Jen. The Some consumer office. Mm. Why did she do that, Jim? I don't know. They said we have three days. They said we have three days. Three days? To, you know.
1: No, I don't know. Tell me.
2: To change our minds.
1: Of course you have three days.
2: So we can't talk Monday. Jim,
1: Jim, you saw my book. I can't. You saw my
2: book. But we have to before Monday to get our money back. Three business days. They mean three business days. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I don't understand. Well, that's what they are. Three business... If we wait till Monday, my time runs out. You don't
1: count Saturday. I'm not. No, I'm saying you don't include Saturday in your three business days. It's not a business day.
2: But I'm not counting it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it would have elapsed.
1: What would have elapsed?
2: If we wait till no. When
1: did you write the check? Yes. And what was yesterday? Tuesday. And when was that check cashed? I don't know. When was the earliest it could have been cashed? I don't know. Today? Today, which in any case it was not, as there was a couple of points in the agreement that I wanted to go over with you in any case.
2: The check wasn't cashed.
1: I just called downtown. It's on their desk.
2: Oh, Eric. Uh,
1: one, one moment, I'll, I'll be right with you. In fact, one point which I spoke to you of, uh, which I can't talk to you
0: about uh, here. And then the detective comes out. And then the detective comes out. <laughs> By the way, good choice. Yeah. You were very good. A there. good Chicago boy? Uh, he, w- he was Link. He was a Link, yes, wasn't he? There? Exactly so. So here you have a scene. This is often done, isn't it? Thank you. This con kind of act is often done, isn't sure. it?
1: Sure. It's what they used to call the old confidence game, playing yeah. them up against the wall. Yeah. It means you've got no props to back you up. You've just got you to gotta con them right there.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering, as guys who may be a salesman of this sort see the play, their reactions, they'll probably say, hey, that's me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I hope so.
0: Glen Ga- and the name, of course, Glengarry Glen Ross. Again, we come to the use of these. N- They've got these fancy old British names. Sure.
1: Sure. I used to live in a place called Olympia Fields, Illinois. It was a, uh, a cornfield at that point.
0: Talking to David Mamet, and this is the first. Th- I'm thinking of the different plays you've done. There, there is a one common denominator to it, and that's that fever. There's a fever in almost all of them, isn't there?
1: Well, thank you very much,
0: Studs. No, and that also has to do with the, what John Lyre talked about. Whether it be teaching his two college, the guy runs the shop, and the kid who's the gopher, of making that score. Yeah, it's making that sc- a score. boy, score has many connotations. In in all in all your plays, it's there, and it's I guess that's what theater's about too. Its own kind of powerful commentary, at the same time highly theatrical. They, any any uh, further thought you have?
1: i am I'm, I'm very, very glad to see. be back to be back working at the Goodman to be w- working with Greg and to be working with these guys. I had a uh, I'm not that old. i'm thirty six and I was um uh, looking at Mike Nussbaum. Mike came up for the first day of rehearsal. I was there for the first day of rehearsal. And it occurred to me that i have been working with Mike Nussbaum for literally twenty years
0: at St. Nicholas.
1: Well, we worked at St. Nicholas, worked at the Goodman. We started out working at uh, with Bob Sickener, nineteen sixty three over in the wonderful days of Hull House. And I thought, what a great gift that was! How incredibly fortunate I'd, I'd been to be able to have an ongoing relationship with a, a well man over that period of time. Well,
0: happening. On that subject of theaters and Sickinger and Saint Nicholas and uh, Greg Mosher and the Goodman and Wisdom Bridge and Bob Falls, that uh, it's being recognized now by the rest of the country. Absolutely today, so. That there's something very exciting happening in Chicago with sure. the theaters.
1: Well, I think what's happening now is what happened uh, in the renaissance that started in the late 60s, you know, with the Compass and Second City. It took about 10 years before people turned around and said, wait a second, all these turkeys came out of Chicago. And the same thing is happening now. All the work that, that we've been doing in the last 10 years, the last 15 years, the country is turning around and saying it's no coincidence that all these turkeys came out of Chicago. The acclaimed Steppenwolf Productions in New York and John Malkovich and Amy Madigan and uh, in the movies and in my it, plays.
0: And it's rather poetic, too, that John Malkovich is now in Death of a Salesman here. as the we're playing the same time that uh, your play, Glengarry Glenn Ross, will be playing. Yeah. And so we have David Mamet, playwright. Just that word. David Mamet, playwright, is my guest. And thank you very much. Thank you, Studs.